Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. We'll all face aspects of the crucifixion at some point in our lives. And we'll all be challenged just as Jesus in this situation was challenged. This year has been to some extent a crucifixion for the world. There's been the fear and anger as the pandemic spread, the grief of those who've lost people in the illness, the heroism of those health workers who put themselves in harm's way for others, and the challenge to blame others or to take our pain and return that pain with love. We have to decide one or the other. That's our challenge. We who are on a spiritual path are challenged deeply at these times to take the road of love and forgiveness. Our minds mock us as the chief priests and the witnesses mocked Jesus. He saved others, but he cannot save himself. Come on, let your trusting God rescue you from this. It's often said that we live in difficult times. And I want to repeat that quote that I used a few weeks ago from Garshan Rinpoche, who spent some time in prison. And in these difficult times, it's interesting just to hear this quote from him. He says, the extent of your realization or your enlightenment will only be known when you encounter difficult circumstances. You will not know the extent of your realization when things go well. When you find yourself in a troublesome situation, when you're in great pain, when an intense emotion arises, only then will you know where you're at with your practice. This year has been, for all of us, a time to find out the extent of our realisation. How we have reacted to the fear of getting ill, to losing a loved one, to the isolation, to the financial hardships, to all the pressures that have come our way. And it's been different for each of us. We've all had our own mini crucifixions through this. When something happens, there's always a place to go within us that will enable us to respond appropriately. We have to fully experience what's happening, not try to minimize the pain by blaming someone else. We take up the position of the adult in the room and see the pain as the raw material that the universe is giving us to transform. Our response to this affects us, the situation we're in, and everything that connects to that situation, which given that we are all of a one in the universe means it affects everything. Our response affects everything. We then have the chance of drawing from within, from that love that's at the center of everything, rather than reacting with our minds, 
And our loving response is our contribution to both the situation and everything connected with it. This year has been a chance for each of us to learn. We've all had our teaching moments. And we have to tell the truth to ourselves as to whether or not we've learned from those moments or blamed others for what's happened to us and pushed those moments away. The crucifixion was the ultimate teaching moment in Jesus' life. In it, he shows us how to respond to both our mind and to those around us. He shows us that in extreme moments, we don't have to lash out. We can contain and process the experiences we have. We can experience the pain within and take the path of pain rather than try and find another path that doesn't hurt so much. Jesus took the path of pain and the result was the resurrection. In taking our path of pain, we too set ourselves up for that resurgence of love or that resurrection in our lives. Having taken the path of pain and felt it deeply to the point of desolation, Jesus forgave. He didn't try to alter the outcome. He didn't try to save himself as the priests mocked him to do. He stayed on the path and he forgave those who'd laid that path for him. He walked the path of, of pain and forgave others who created it for him. And having forgiven, he then responded with love. He gave of himself with no expectation of a return. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And yet in that desolation, he continued in love. We have to do that too. That's the lesson that Jesus teaches us through the crucifixion. That we have to experience our pain and not push it away. And we have to forgive those who we feel have given us that pain. Be it friends, colleagues, communities, governments, banks, whoever. And we have to respond with love. To give of ourselves with no expectation of a return. And therefore invest in the currency of love rather than the currency of the world, be that anger, fear, pride, righteousness, or retribution. I think that those words that we've just been singing perfectly sum up an invitation that's extended to each one of us today. And here it is a bit paraphrased. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? If the whole realm of nature were mine, even that would be an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. 
I think it's really helpful to think of the historical Jesus as simply a man living in his time, in his culture, in his body, with the constraints and constrictions of the conditions of his life and environment. Just like all of us, he had a context within which he lived his best life. The thing about Jesus is that he remained utterly true to his path. He knew, he understood, and accepted his place in life, his place in the world. And he must have had a deep instinct or intuition about the purpose of his life. He must have felt this, this deep conviction as he grew up, as he studied and began to understand his heritage, and as he witnessed the unfolding of events around him. He must have consented again and again to his particular path, choosing again and again to live into it more faithfully and more fully. And he must have had times when he doubted it and questioned it along the way. Who wouldn't? But somewhere deep in his being, he knew what his life was about. And the way he lived and the way he was going to die, he knew was important and would have enormous ramifications. Throughout his life, he made it his priority to maintain his connection to the ground of all being, to the love, that very love that brought the world and him into existence. He knew this love intimately. He knew how to dwell with his father, Abba Father, he would say. He knew that oneness, that wholeness of heart. And that's what he exemplified and taught and demonstrated and modelled everywhere he went, inviting people, drawing them, beckoning them, getting people to access the same truths, not through their minds so much as through their beings and their hearts. He saw into people that heart-to-heart seeing, living and communicating was what he was about. He was a master of love, of transformation, of wisdom. But what makes me say all this about Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago? I think it has something to do with my heart recognizing his heart. There's a mutual seeing a recognition, something my heart knows is true and life-giving that I cannot not respond to. And I think that there is something similar for each of us. We all have a path to follow. We all have the ability and the capacity to see, to recognize, to know. And it's responding to this inner seeing that is so important whatever the particularity of that seeing. And it will be a bit different for each one of us. And so I think there's an invitation extended to us on this Good Friday, that right now in our lives, in the middle of this pandemic, in our context, that we are invited to a way of living and loving and dying, including all the little deaths and losses that we all experience every day, that Jesus modeled for us. Because he approached his death as he lived his life. As he lived, so he died, with complete commitment and presence. 
somehow he was able to access or live into a most profound and foundational trust that sustained him, even as part of him clearly felt abandoned in his process of dying. He gave himself in trust, in humility, in love. He poured himself out with extravagant generosity and he demonstrated how to bring together love and sorrow. He revealed to us that the two will always go together until we reach, reach that omega point that Nicholas was talking about, that in our sorrows, to the extent to which we give ourselves to our griefs, allowing them to gentle us and soften us, that it's in doing that that a sacred alchemy takes place inside us. We find we are met and accompanied, even empowered, and we find a deeper capacity for loving and a fullness of heart. So next time you are visited, as Rumi would say, by a sorrow or a grief, and it may be yours or someone else's, just pause, see it, pay attention to it, look at it with compassion, gently allow your body to receive the pain of it, to whatever extent you're able to, not pushing it away, not renouncing it, but allowing it. And in so doing, invite, invite that wonderful accompanying presence to meet you in it, to accompany you in it. Let the sadnesses in your life flow through you and gentle you, knowing that in doing this you will not be abandoned, you will be met. This is where developing a practice, practice can be so helpful, a practice of surrender and self-emptying, the foundational attitude and approach to life that Jesus exemplified. So we can enter into our sorrowing and our grieving, our loving and our dying, with equanimity of being, with a deep assurance of being held and accompanied and sustained, come what may, with a conviction, just like Jesus had, that history of which our lives are a part is all heading somewhere good. It's a peace beyond our understanding, a peace that literally transcends our ability to understand. It's a knowing it's a fullness of heart. That as we give ourselves to our particular path, whatever that may be, that we will happen upon and live into an ever more fulfilling, life-giving, generative way of living and loving. So what is your path? What is, what is your path? Are you remaining true to it? Do you feel accompanied in it? What might you do differently in your life in service of this path in order to live and love more fully and more authentically? Is that something that draws you, that beckons you? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, 
please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.